little ditty about Jack and Diane, two American kids growing up in the heartland. Jackie gonna be a football star. Diane's debutante backseat of Jackie's car. You don't want to see what that guy does to chili dogs. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the Heart of Brunch podcast. I'm your host, Dyke Michaels, and with me, as always, my co-host, Thaddeus J. McKee. Happy days. On the wheels and steels, the ones and twos, <laughs> the sauce boss of Indianapolis and the last white dragon. Give it up for Zach Roan. Hey there. And a very, very special guest with us in studio, comedian Hannah Rushline. Thank you for having me. Well, welcome to the program, Hannah. We've had you. I feel like you've been on an after brunch before. You've been over plenty of times when we've been podcasting, but we wanted to wait till you had something really special to talk about before we had John here. And you are recording your very first album this week. Hey! I wish I could suck my own dick at this point <laughs> so I could use it to choke myself so I wouldn't have to record said album. Oh. I, I feel like we should put an extra, <laughs> an extra, go ahead and put an extra explicit warning on today's episode. Already? Hannah is in the darkness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I understand it to be a tremendous honor, is what people have been telling me. And with that little light, I'm shining brightly towards uh, Thursday. And tell us about it. You're because it's this show. There's two shows. You're two shows uh, with the recording label contract that I signed. I am obligated by my own government name to uh, produce 45 minutes of material, but done in two shows. I like how you're making it sound like you got tricked into it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I signed a contract. <laughs> now I have to do this album. You can't trick the willing. But what I but what I understand now is that, yes, that's something that I'm going to be doing. Uh, two shows, uh, 7 o'clock and a 9.30. Where at? Almost Famous. Yeah. A venue that is owned by wonderful friends of mine on Mass Ave, Massachusetts Avenue here in Indianapolis. We're trying to sell some tickets. We're trying to put some asses in seats here. We got two shows at Almost Famous. Yeah, there are no tables left, I believe, for the first show, the early show, aside from potentially a few uh, tables of for standing room in the bar and a couple singles, but there are... Quite a few tickets left still for the nine thirty. So, but only of tables of two and four. So, and I doubt they'll be here too too much longer. Which one are you going to be trying the hardest at? Like, what show? One hundred percent the first one. I'm going to give it my all. I'm not trying to just like loosey goosey have to like fall back into that second one as the uh, not only Plan B but. Plan A also. I'd like to just execute it at the highest level and then put a spit shine on it for round two. So just leave it all in the field and then the second show is just going to be phoning it in? Mm-hmm. Depends, honestly, how many of you come. <laughs> like, if you make me feel like it's a goddamn idiot in the second one with a paltry attendance and you've basically... You'll take like, it out on the people that paid to 100%. show up. 100%. I've maintained this the entire time. I today just hit my fifth year of uh, the anniversary of when I started my first open mic. 
Uh, good for me, I guess. No one in here even just smiled. So that just shows you how like literally joyless your dreams are. But I mean, record an album, do whatever, put a gun in your mouth. It's all feels the same. I'm just thrilled to be on a hundred pound gorilla's roster and uh, doing this on Thursday. Everything's gonna be fine. I feel great. Everyone can tell. So definitely what I said, I stand by it. Be there at that second show or potentially I'm going to bomb my dick off. It could cause me to relapse. We never know. (laughs) And I've been kind of walking around with that loaded gun, you know, the whole time since I sobered, which is kind of like, hey, buddies, thanks for showing up for me. And you make me feel really good. And you make me feel like it's okay that I don't get to have drinks anymore. Okay, okay, hold on. This this run on sentences is becoming... (laughs) I'm still tripping over. Record an album and put a gun in your mouth. It all feels the same. I don't I, think I'm the only comic that's ever said that for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I don't have anything to say to that right now. <laughs> so, so take a, so take a, let, let's start from the beginning here. Five years ago, you said five years ago today, you meandered uh, drunkenly into, into your first open mic. Uh, where was that at? It was a uh, now defunct restaurant called Shoe Fly Public House. That's in right. The, in the basement. Yeah. It was in the basement. Started from the bottom. <laughs> Started now from we're the, here. the literal bottom. <laughs> Manic and rambling on a podcast that sort of matters. I uh, <laughs> Hey, that's a high compliment from Hannah. For that's, sure it that's is. That's actually, we, that's on our merch. <laughs> we kind of matter. To be honest, I'm, I'm happy that I have whatever, you know, amount of credits that allows me to say cunty things like that. But honestly, this is more just a friendship. Oh, I thought it was because we're black. Like, they, it kind of matters. <laughs> no, it doesn't even matter. I'm Asian American. I'm having as hard a time out there as y'all. Plus, I got a vagina. My head is on a fucking spike. <laughs> I mean, did you already say the name of your title to everybody? No, I'm calling the album Asian American Psycho. Nice. Um, I love you, that name, if by the you're, way. Yeah, thank you, Thad. Yeah. People are like, did you mean it like the movie? And I'm like, for fucking sure. Wait, people say that? Some people just, you know, what is it? Oh, it, what does it mean? You know, mean I'm like, oh, I definitely took it from the movie. That's You, you know. should just say what movie. When people say that, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. I, I can't invest that uh, into a sort of thing. But yeah, my it's all just basically about me being all mixed up. You know, growing up Asian American, like I said, half white, half yellow trash mm-hmm. from the cornfield to Indiana in the 80s and 90s before the internet and terminology and somewhat shoddy representation, you know, but better than what we had. It's like, it's cool today. Like we got Aquafina, there's... Asian Marvel characters, but like when I was a kid, it was the only person I knew that was like me at all was Rob Schneider. Mm-hmm. Mm. Rob yeah. Schneider's half Filipino, half yeah. white. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I only know that because mom got a Filipino magazine in my childhood sent to the cornfields for the culture. And so I was like, oh shit, that's like me. But like clearly, if you grow up at a time when your only representation is Deuce Bigelow, you're probably going to end up a fucked adult. <laughs> that's I, that's the Asian American psycho in me. That's kind of what it's about. I remember think like I remember being kind of like confused about how Rob Schneider got away with doing like hack Asian like uh, characters for so long. I was like, this is really offensive. I can't believe anyone's like stepped in. But this was like, oh, actually, he's Asian. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. And you know, Dyke, I mean, Dyke and I have been doing comedy, even that here, pretty much from the whole time. And I've exercised every liberty that I've (laughs) been able to have my 
mixed heritage afford me you know it's like for me it's like fair game last night even i did just four uh shows at helium the past couple nights and night after night it's i can stand there and call myself a john deere gook and watch the the blood just drain out of a karen's (laughs) face and i'm looking at her like bitch it's okay it's 2022 if an asian person calls themselves an Asian slur, that's the time to laugh it up, you yeah. know? Not it when is. your racist cousin Kenny is saying it at a barbecue. I don't know why yeah. I have to like have these yeah. teachable moments, but we're still here. It is kind of unfair that you get to say all the Asian slurs. Though. You get to say the N-word. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not saying I want to say the N-word. I want to clarify that. I'm good with... She was talking to Zach, too, which is right. weird. I'm good with Ninja. Yeah. I know my limitations, like I said, but I also realize that like part of what Asian American Psycho is about and why I landed on that title under a slew of all other kinds of contenders in my autistic brain was just because, you know, I grew up, like I said, mixed up. There was this was pre-internet. This was just like before I saw anyone that looks like me, I've never been fully accepted. You know, I was in a place where it's like everyone was white presenting. That's just what it was. I grew up in a town where in my whole kindergarten through senior experience, I never knew someone come out of the closet as gay or someone that was Jewish or someone that was Asian aside from that was living in my... Asians don't come out of the closet though. They should. Barely. They should be like a... Uh, Rob Schneider did. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. Surprise your parents that tell me you're Asian one day. Mom, yeah, dad. I mean, nowadays, like, you can be Asian and then find, like, the highest level comedy. You Joel Kim on, Booster. You, you might end I mean? up on SNL. <laughs> 100%. They're crushing. And I'm glad. I'm like, I want to I wanna fucking help Fruit Ninja the way for other Asians <laughs> out here. That's kind of why I'm... Hacking, you know, hacky Chan (laughs) one day at a time trying to, you know, just live my dreams for two more years. You can tell I'm fatigued. I'm high. I'm over it. You know, I've got an OnlyFans that can pay my bills. Why am I still doing these jokes? What was the name of the city you grew up in? Clay City. What's the, is it, how, how small of a town is it? Okay. It's called the Mayberry of the Midwest. Oh, Lord. (laughs) This is true. Uh, Clay City has about. The sheriff doesn't have a gun. (laughs) No, he's probably got a real gun. He's just waiting for a black person to break down in front of the gym. <laughs> Sorry, that's tough. What are the, what are I, we got like one restaurant called Glory Days. I mean, uh, what kind of town is Clay City? Um, let's see. Like I said, I never knew any of those types of human beings, gay, Jewish, Asian. We never had a black student aside from 2005 when they mocked my sister up to play Jackie Robinson. In a fifth grade notable Americans play. So good on you, Clay City. You're uh, you're killing it. You're doing a really nice job. I can't wait to get to the keys to the cornfield or whatever that they present me with one day. <laughs> and on the Mayberry of the Midwest sign, they have to paint under it. It's like home of Hannah Rushline. Oh, my God. Nothing will thrill me more for 836 people to see as they drive past the Dollar General and the Mexican restaurant that wasn't even there when I was a kid. I would have appreciated it. I was sick of egg rolls. Now they've got <laughs> now they got all these fucking bells and whistles. All right, hold on, hold on. Let's, all right, first let's back this up again. <laughs> One, your mom's egg rolls are phenomenal. I've had them. I mean, world they're, they're renowned. Uh, two, uh, so you you flew past the fact that. Your school dressed up your half Asian sister in blackface to play Jackie Robinson in a notable American, which is really a mixed bag because you are saying that Jackie Robinson is a notable American, 
which I would say is a good thing. That's good that in this very white town, they're they're trying to you know add a little black history into I f- it. I feel like it's like a tree fall in the forest type situation. <laughs> like if she doesn't put on blackface, <laughs> is she really doing Jackie Robinson? <laughs> I think that's the motto that they had, and it was wrong. I mean, they, but it was it was okay. I mean, I'm gonna say a couple things. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> One, I was at the performance. Okay, so I was I was there to see it. I am ten years older than my sister, and my sister was kind of like a child star. She was playing like in boys' league basketball as a five year old. So I was already fucking up by the time I got to IU. At well, about she took risk. Eighteen, too. yeah, she's out there, you know. And honestly, when I look at it now, I see that she had range. You know, she went outside of her gender. She encompassed her role. You know what I mean? Went outside of her race. Golly, Was she a method actor? Like, did you see this at home? Low-key, Carmela has always been hilarious on an improv level. So, I mean, so what all I'm trying to say is... Plus, she won gold in front of Hitler. Okay, so, but hand to God. So, this happened in 2005. 2005. So, at that point, I was 21 years old. Carmela is 11 when this is happening. I happened to just have come home for this performance. Sometimes I would do that in between having a drink or whatever I was doing. And just to support her because I've always loved her for so much. But I just happened to see this. And they were having a notable Americans play. Okay, like I said, and here they are, you know, just all these humans. And then Jackie Robinson is my sister. Was Jackie Robinson the only African American on the... 100. (laughs) 100. They didn't even have a single black kid in the school. You think they were going to have more than plus two on the notable Americans? You know, this... I. So I was there. Now, I would like to say that as an adult, the the blatant racism of it, for me, would have just hit me immediately like a ton of bricks. Yeah. But it really hadn't until I started doing stand-up and kind of got sober because, frankly, like... What you don't know is like how funny my sister looked. And like my sister has always been. A little been... Asian girl. How old was she? 10? 11, dude. 11. But she already had like bigger tits than I have right now. <laughs> I mean, she's been hot. Everybody knows. You can. If we had like one. If this was like a good podcast, I don't want to think about blackface and child breasts at the same time. I'm sorry, but this is what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> I just got this hot younger sister, dude. Oh, no, she's 11. No, seriously. And they just took, like, you know, the darkest CoverGirl foundation they could get at the, like I said, the local IGA and fucking just took her up a click or two. <laughs> but, uh, maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe, maybe it's blackface. Maybe it's blackface. I mean, and like I said, I was there, and me and my dad was there, too. And the funny thing is, we both got a laugh about it then, and we can have a good laugh about it now. Did he, did he, was there any family photos taken of this? Man, uh, there's gotta be. I'm kind of like, if, if you can hear this, if there's one person at home that's listening to this, and you have access to some under, you know, people that might have these kinds of pictures. I'm telling you, if you have these photos, burn them, please, before you get canceled. No, please get them to me. I want to put them on a calendar or something, a tel- of a shirt. Well, if that's like one of the pictures in Fort Knox, like just all the people that have done blackface. Well, yeah, I've, I would feel bad for your, your, your sisters, you know, launching a... You know her own company. Uh, then one day these blackface pictures come to resurface. <laughs> she gets canceled for being an eleven year old. But it could be your own NFT if you if you really think about it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my god! All right, um, that's rich. I'm gonna. Pro- <laughs> I'm thinking about that. Sh- shifting that gears from uh, from blackface. Um, so uh, my I, name is Thaddeus, by the way. I t- <laughs> <laughs> Please don't call me blackface again. That's that's en- that's enough blackface. Uh, <laughs> 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 So uh, we made a meal today, and I told you when you first got in that I wanted you to to, to guess the theme. So we're going to go through, and I'm going to tell the audience. Um, we're going to go over the courses real quick, and then at the end, we're going to see if you can guess the theme. So all of these uh, kind of – all of these directly related to you in some way, obviously. They were um, uh, based on, uh, you know, inspirations that you've drawn for, from or – Things that you say uh, in one way or another. So uh, the first course, I know I'm already. I always forget what I make. Oh, the very first, the the mousse bouge was the um, bowl of peanut M and M's because you are a uh, diehard Yankees fan, and Correct. you are um, uh, you have a, a tramp stamp of the Yankees logo. Is it a tramp stamp? Yeah, it was my very first tattoo I got when I was 20 years old in Terre Haute, Indiana. And I thought to myself, okay, I've waited this whole time, you know, as a pastor's daughter to get away from the house or whatever and get my first tattoo. I was really torn about what to get. I knew I definitely wanted to get it on my lower back because that's what all the sleuths were doing. The mid-2000s, the tramp stamp was Oh, I mean, we were still in in low-rise jeans, my dudes. Like, (laughs) it was, like, right above my pubis, thank God, you know. It's just like, it was aggressive. I'm never coming out of the high waisters. You can't make me. You might as well cut off my goddamn head if low waist jeans right. come back. Burn me. Back then, it was not called a tramp stamp, though. Yeah, right? I, I think it always was. Oh, it was? Yeah, well, I've been taking back the night the whole time. <laughs> You're just oh. slut shame me. I'm a, I got a bigger sword. It's yeah. a harlot to you, sir. So... <laughs> So big, big Derek Jeter fan is what but, you're saying. Yeah, basically, I just my first tattoo ever is my favorite. It's the three logos of my uh, favorite sports teams, which are the Pacers, the Indianapolis Pacers, the New York Yankees, and then the Colts. Uh, and so it's quite. It's literally the little P and then for, for the Pacers, and then the N Y from the Yankees, and then a little horseshoe uh, from the Colts. So it looks like P N U. Oh. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I kind of hand drew it, and they put it on my back. So I mean, it's shitty. I have, I have got eleven tattoos now, and that's definitely yeah. one of the worst. But it's literally on my back. So you the know, only people that see it are like the dumb dudes that pay my bills, or that I just like, you know, kind of let near me. You don't have to look at it very often. If Ever. You don't want to. <laughs> Ever. I f- sometimes forget I have it. I also like my back's not the greatest spots for my tattoos. That's where I also have one of my drunken tattoos that I got that says. Fuck it if you can't take a joke, which is perfectly fine. I still stand by that sentiment. It just looks like it was done in prison. <laughs> and it was definitely because I was drinking. I came from a tacos tattoo tequila date. That's what I proposed okay. with uh, one of my exes. And so by the time we get there, I'm sure I hadn't like eaten anything except for PBR for four days. So who knows what state my blood was like. I never drank a water the entire time. So I, I'm sure there was no aftercare. I was probably moving around because I was a slippery little drunken snake. Was you know, this, who knows? It just looks bad. So was this taco tattoo party? Was that the same day you showed up blackout drunk to our, our first open mic uh, that we that we hosted? It was around the same time. Holy shit. I don't know if it was... <laughs> That very night, but I can't 
I can neither confirm nor deny if that was the same <laughs> night. But that was a tough night. One of those, I, uh, yeah, our very first open mic, you tried to cough some of the punchlines to my jokes to me. Well, let, let's not get our head out. First, I said, uh, hey, this is our very first one. Let's make a good impression on everybody on the scene <laughs> since this is our very first one. So let's all be uh, tip-top shape and... On top of the ball. Well, here's what they don't. <laughs> what they don't tell a good you. Company too, like, hey, we have to have a meeting. Like, hey, let's not get drunk. <laughs> hey, you know how we usually are. We can't be that <laughs> for this event we're throwing. Yeah, but sorry if you've been a 15 year straight alcoholic. Whatever is tip top shape for you <laughs> is uh, still turns out kind of poor. Um, so I was having a hard time till I wasn't. <laughs> Blackout drunk by 7 p.m. is also all very impressive. <laughs> It is, but it's kind of funny because I think it's a testament to just like how ignorant people are, but also maybe just how like naturally funny I am. Thank God, because the night one of those nights in question where Dyke was like coughing my punchlines to try to help me get on track because I was so drunk with my own jokes. Like not too long after that, a woman came up to me, like an old woman, and was like, "Honey, I really enjoy that character that you do on stage." <laughs> Where you act so drunk and then your buddy (laughs) yells your punchlines to you. And I'm like, thank you so much. But that kind of made me aware, even in the early parts of comedy, where I was like, oh, yeah, you can be a hack, though. I mean, this ain't even got to be real, (laughs) dude. It's got to be real. I didn't didn't yell your punchlines to you. I yelled your premises to you. And then you you finished the punchline. Wow, so you had to start them out. Yeah, she didn't remember her own joke. So I I would be like, I was so drunk. But we wrote them because at that time we were just miking, you know, and I was over at Hotel Tango all the time writing jokes. So Dyke was very privy to that very first joke book of mine of hearing every premise come out. And so by the time I was on stage, he knew the jokes from front to back. It was like, is the oh earth? It was also the first year of comedy. So it's like, I didn't have like the well of material that yeah. I can kind of splish splash right. around in right now. I was definitely writing all new stuff all the time, which is what I've done the whole time. What but, was your attitude, Dyke? Were, were you like laughing at this or were you just like, like, <laughs> I, like was like, it like a weekend at Bernie's situation, but you were. I don't feel like anyone's the, ever asked him this question and I'm over here and I'm like. In the moment, I was horrified. Like it's funny now. It, it it only it only got funnier with time. But no, in the in the moment when it was actually because I remember showing up and I remember her almost falling out of the car when she got out of the car and I was like I knew immediately that it was going to be a, a, a rocky road. And then I was actively trying to talk her into not going up. I was like, you can just not go up. This like, is you a don't, cartoon. You don't so have to go. She's let like, the record reflect in this moment how much I love comedy. I could not be deterred from the stage. I thought, you know, I can't see straight. I don't even, I don't even know the words I put to paper, even though I'm an English major with an intelligent brain. You know, I mean, but get up determined. here anyway, because these are my goddamn five minutes. And no one can take them from me as an American open micer. And now Asian American psycho five years later is fucking I, karate chopped her way to nothing, but still something. The top two craziest things I've ever seen her do on stage drunk <laughs> were that. I'm so nervous. And then one time this was, I mean, uh, broken bigger. A few months earlier, Broken Beaker, when yep. she just ran the light, yep. like, I mean, ran it into the ground. I've never seen someone. I mean, she was. 
Can you tell people what run the light means if they don't know what Yeah, you? usually at open mic or whatever, you get about five minutes, and then they give you a light. And that first light means you have a minute to wrap it up. And so then if, at the four-minute mark, you're receiving the light. Yeah, and then okay. if, if you get a flashing light, then that means, like, you're over your time. Stop immediately. And you had probably so, been four or five minutes into the overtime flashing light. And I remember it just... Uh, I remember Lucas. the... Yeah, the host is just aggressively flashing the light with his hand, and he's waving it. And he finally caught your attention, and then you looked at him, and you just started waving back, and he go, "Oh hi!" <laughs> like like someone was just waving hi in the middle of your set. Yeah, I have video of this actually. <laughs> there is video out there. I've yeah. talked about it before on podcast. Brentley yeah. Smith's got it. Yeah. Oh, and I have. He it too. was there. He was there, set up in the back every single time. <laughs> if you want to watch real Asian American Psycho, we should just get my first year and a half of comedy blacked out mics where. I was saying like law and order SVU rape jokes and I kind of still remember those premises and I know I could give them better legs to stand on now but I was just out there talking my own mess well the reason why you kept going was you thought people were taking pictures of you That's what I, you said. You're like, oh, I thought you, were, you guys were taking pictures. Like, you were doing so good. <laughs> we're all laughing now hard yeah. because we've been looking at Lucas, uh, Luke Basil, just like flashing the light violently. And he kind of just gave up at a certain point because it was hard to get you off. <laughs> uh, my word. It was. It was. No, no, no flash photography, please. Please. So I can't just practicing my craft. I've been watching Genius and watching the back behind the scenes, like photos of Kanye West. If, if Brantley Smith's videos become yes. the BTS for my Genius yes. videos there in 25 go. years, <laughs> if it after that. I burn through comedy like a comet, but then have a violent, violent fall, oh, nothing would make me happier. Just, oh, this is all for the documentary footage. Oh my God. What? Oh. I'm going to make so much money. This is so funny. I would, I'd kill to see those videos. I mean, I just. That's great. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry that I, you know, everyone had to be there for that. But So then the next dish is... So Derek Jeter. Uh, so Oh, so also Derek Jeter starts off every day, every game day with a stack of uh, pancakes and an egg white omelet. That's uh, that, so good. That's how he, get, he gets ready. So... We really tried to make the Yankees logo out of a pancake. They did. Uh, <laughs> the first, the first one wasn't as successful, but the the second one uh, we got, and then uh, the egg white omelet um, actually turned out pretty well. The, it was like cheddar, Brussels sprouts, and uh, smoking goose bacon. Um, the next thing was the winner winner chicken dinner, which was was is that time? That was three minutes. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> flipping you off. Yeah, I thought he was like, West Side. Yeah. I, where, I knew where exactly what he was doing. I was like, like, why is he acting like a noob? Like, <laughs> we do this every, every goddamn every episode. It's <laughs> always like, three minutes. It's always flashing at three. You, get, you got, you're being Hannah now. Like, uh, now you're down to two. What are, are you guys taking my picture? Uh, oh, my God. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, which was... Uh, chicken and waffles with a Wheaties encrusted uh, chicken breast, and then uh, kale, sweet potato, and onion with uh, some of the Sarah Merrill's uh, scorpion honey drizzled over the top of it. Hot Delicious. Honey. Um, 
What was the other one? I always forget one. The uh, nachos, the steak nachos. Mm. Sous vide steak. Sous vide uh, New York strip steak with bl- pacer blue and gold uh, nachos. Tortilla chips. Yeah, with tortilla chips. And then for dessert, we, we did two. We actually had two desserts. Uh, Zach had an amazing one that was, uh, what would you call it? Um, I made flan, so I called it only flans with uh, salty caramel uh, haters tears. <laughs> and then I had a uh, squirt soda bunt cake, which uh, I called uh, squirt Vonnegut. And um, yeah, and that was it. So with all... All of that together now, what would you say you think that the theme was? There should be some music playing. Probably my tattoos. <laughs> you think those are... That's not bad. That's not a bad guess. To be honest, just kind of thinking because I got that pencil. Do you have yeah. a Vonnegut tattoo? No, but I, I have that pencil for being an English major, so potentially it's like a writer, you know. That it's a nod. It's a nod. Yeah. It's a number two nod. It was... Uh, Close. It was the the breakfast of champions. <laughs> I one hundred percent get it. That you silence I mean? was Hannah shaking her head. Yes. I mean, like I said, he made an attempt to make an NY on a pancake. Um, there was some batter artfully splashed like a Jack's off Pollock that happened to fashion itself. Into what appeared to be an NY. It'd be like if your autistic son brought in some pancakes he made and was like, Mommy, Yankees! And you're like, that's so good, Oscar. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. We're not going to put you down yet. So uh, I don't think they do that with children. I don't, I'm not convinced that they don't. Um, I will say this. Writing in pancake batter a little more difficult than I thought it would be. Yeah, but I understood that the love was there. The love was there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back with some more Hannah Rushline. Stick around. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, yeah, man. How you doing? You good? I know you like that. I know you like that. How long you been back, man? I see the girls in the club, they're getting wild for me. And all the pretty chicks all want to smile at me. These rap cats, man, they all got this style for me. And if I ever see them, man, they probably bow to me. And when this beat drop, I know they gon' lean. World debut, I know they gon' fiend. Everything Mississippi to the Palm Springs. Welcome back to the Heart of Brunch podcast. Yeah. Uh, I used to be in that hip-hop group, Hannah, and that was, we used to rap over that instrumental. I mean, it goes hard, dude. Like, yeah, I was like, I remember this And song. I got such a kind of an interesting, like, feeling towards Mace, you know, it's like when he came out, but when also when he kind of came back around, he had like a a religious sort of... He's a preacher, isn't he? Yeah, so it was like, me as a pastor's daughter, I've always just kind of had this, like, fondness for him. How long, uh, how long has your dad been a pastor for? My whole life. The whole time, I mean, every 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 mile of memory and every memory of mine involved uh, fearing God or something. You know, just being like, "Oh, hope I don't say goddamn and burn in a bottomless mimosa of hellfire." Well, you know, they always say that uh, pastor the, the pastor's children are always the wild ones. Yeah, I'm glad that that was not true in your case. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely didn't step up to the plate in any way, shape, or form. There's 15 years of my life that I literally don't remember a lick of, but I uh, I did pretty good about uh, is bucking the trend of uh, traditional pastor's daughters acting up. Know nothing about that. Uh, you talk so you 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 you've talked a lot very quickly, and I want to just break it down into chunks because you do you talk about starting off comedy uh, in the past five years. Drinking and not remembering the fifteen years, and obviously you're you're, you're sober now. So when when in, in that five years uh, did the the drinking stop? Three and a half ago. Three so, and a half years ago. So basically, in my if today is my fifth year of comedy, mm. basically from starting at least, which I don't know how you'd have any. I don't know. I think you have to kind of start it there as your comedy anniversary. When I've thought about it over the years, because it's like. When are you going to start the first time you get a check from comedy or you're going to start the first time? Like everybody gets those for all different types of reasons. As we've talked about, like you don't have to go through this like documentation at the end of every year or some kind of like sitting down and proving what you learned as stand up comics. The whole rubric is so unique from person to person. You know, there's no way to have like, oh, well, this is the from the first time I became, you know, we'd just be splitting hairs all day. So I think you have to start at that time. But for the first year and a half of me doing comedy, I was still at the very end of my uh, 15 year drinking like nightmare. So basically just, uh, you know, worlds colliding. It's a pretty good time to be saying some of your first things on stage ever when you just cannot even see straight and uh, a real big kind of cloud in your life is going to try to slowly start to dissipate. But, you know. Well, I'll I'll say this as someone who, uh, you know, I started comedy with with you, but like uh, maybe a couple months behind and uh, you were a person that I, I was a bartender and you lived practically in the backyard of the bar. Yep. And you would come in and you would run your bits on anyone that was around, whether they wanted to hear them or not. You know, sometimes it was non-consensual bit running. But uh, I, 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 would hear these, I would hear these bits over and over. And it was like, I knew from the get-go that you were very funny. And I saw, I wrote with you too. So, like, I knew that you had this brain where you would say, some really fucked up stuff, but then there would be like three vocabulary words sprinkled in there that was just like, I was like, man, this is, this is funny and it's smart. But then the uh, execution sometimes of the open mic where it's like, I had been with you writing. I've heard these different versions of it. And then, you know, you got up there maybe a little sloshed up. And then, so other people would, would see that and they were just like, like I, I feel like I was on Team Hannah from 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 get go, and I was like, "Oh, she's really funny." And people were like, "She's a mess." What are you talking about? Like she, you know. I really like that Dyke's taking this time to really solidify where he's been in my camp. He's like, "Okay, her draft stock's the highest it's ever been. She's got a pretty hot local cover. She's on a current Pacer commercial. We think she might get into Skankfest this year. Holy fucking shit, Hannah! I was here when everyone was saying." Right. 
what a dumb fucking right. cunt you were, right. and your punchline swam at the dugout. Right. You piece of shit, <laughs> smelly feet, dirty cunt, drunk ass bitch. Don't forget, we created red flag comedy right. for you because you were a liability to book. But all of that is true. So what I'll say is, <laughs> thank you, Dyke. You piece of shit. I'm glad we both have some semblance of platforms to continue our tomfoolery that begin at a well, bar at Hotel Tango on locally distilled I mean, spirits. But but there is something to be said about that because I wasn't Team Hannah probably Love this. probably until <laughs> earlier this morning. Oh, really? This morning, yeah, He's like, I'm not still. This, is this morning I was like, you know, I'm going to switch teams. Uh, also, I mean, like the whole time you got to think you had, you, you had, you, you guys are drunk. <laughs> you had Jake. You guys had Jake you carrying guys, your guys' you, ass. You guys are drunk. Yeah, Jake was carrying red flag your guys' ass <laughs> because just dragging through the show. Jake was was the the talked about host, and you guys pretty much were in a shadow. We did a lot of stuff from the drunken shadows. <laughs> there was a lot of like casting. There was a lot of be- yeah behind the wizardry behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, and I think the whole time I was like lightly unaware of it because like I love comedy and it's clearly something that I'm I want to continue to do. But I still understand it's like not shit. You know, it's like it's fortunate that I get to say the things that I say and have. You know, my creative brain get to unpack. But what do you I was mean also, it's not shit? I just mean, like, the whole time at Mike's, even if I wasn't getting booked, I was still, like, popular. And I knew I was, like, a funny person. And I wasn't, like, trying to get on a bunch of shit. I was just really trying to get up there and string some words together and finally, like, make my voice heard. You know, although it happened to come at a time at the very beginning of my comedy that I was in the most slurred position I'd ever been as far as my actual physical person. So it was like, it was a perfect storm. So it's like, no, I, of course I know. Like it doesn't, it was, it surprises me more that I actually have people that are still with me now, five years in than it does, you know, that everybody's just been like, oh, whatever. It's like, I'm thankful every day that people kind of batten down the hatches with me and understood there were certain things, but I understand the nightmarish aspects of kind of what I was bringing to the table. It was unappeasing to the eyes at first. (laughs) It had to have been, dude. Impossible ears. (laughs) I don't have any inside voice now and barely an awareness of it. And back then I had to have been screaming. You know, and like I said, often about things that were like, I mean, I don't know if any of you guys are were the kind of problem drinkers that I am, but when you're blacked out, which I was every single day, uh, your hippocampus just basically detaches in your brain every mm-hmm. three minutes or so. So basically, I had no ability even at the comedic level. Thank God I was only at the beginning parts getting five minutes, maybe eight or ten in the early red flag shows. But even then, that was only two to three times that my hippocampus <coughs> might detach. So I had the ability to potentially kind of do some of the same jokes on a loop. But as like we would see, it wasn't enough to carry me through. And I have a very smart brain. I'll just say that. And I am naturally funny. So there was luckily enough of things happening that even though everything as far as the pragmatics and, you know, the appearances and aesthetics. Well, also, like, let's be completely honest, too. Like, uh, nobody usually has their hand out for somebody who's just starting to open mic, you know, and it's no like, one. like, like, like it's already like, there's already a, like a barrier for entry right. It's already like very clicky. 
So like if you come in that plus a bag of your booze bag on top of it, it's it's definitely different. Like I remember very much like feel like being in the the early days of open mic and I was just like every time I got up, that's when everyone would go smoke a cigarette. And I was like, Oh, I'm the cigarette break guy? Like that's not well, good. And also I think what I, where I was also trying to go with that by saying that I didn't give a shit about comedy was I was carried through always by like the fact that I've had a great deal of support. That's never changed. It's only grown. And I've had this kind of my whole life. But it's like even the first open mic at Shoefly in that now defunct basement, like I had 10 or 15 friends there. Yeah. So it's like now five years later, it shouldn't be surprising, you know, as long as I got a little bit better at a time, which I did. I mean, at bare minimum, we can say that, that I'm a little bit better than I was five years ago. Um that, that my numbers would potentially just grow a little bit higher. But I always would leave open mics from the very start, even fucking drunk, yeah. very socially popular. So I never had this like sense that I was like losing. I couldn't even remember what I said on stage anyway. So by the time I was off and people were talking shit about me or being like, oh, we can't tell if this bitch is funny or not, I didn't even care. I was yeah. just on to my next drink and hugging my five friends who have the whole time told me I was the funniest person to them. So it's like... You know, I had this, like, also little, like, bubble around me of human beings sure. and whatever. Well, there's also a thing of, like, showing up, because I've definitely... There's also a thing of, like, showing up to a mic drunk. Like, that was a good time. Like, I like what I do remember <laughs> yeah. of going to open mic drunk, a lot of times it's like, I don't remember if I shat the bed as far as, like, my comedy, but I remember, like, I had a good time. Like, I'd ride all day and then get drunk and then go to an open mic and then just be like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if I learned anything from it, but it was, it was definitely like a fun experience. But then I remember, uh, when you did, uh, you did, you did get sober. And then I feel like you took a break there for a while. There was maybe like a little comedy break where you were kind of just, uh, like exercising and uh, like getting your mind right. I feel like you went into the mind palace there for like, for like a few weeks. Or like if you were doing comedy, it wasn't it, it like it was very kind of like quiet. I don't. I, I feel like you stepped away for a second, and then when you came back, you had this new focus, and then that's when all of a sudden you were going to every single mic and like driving to any place that you could do comedy. And then by the next time I saw you, like on a, a show, show it was like this completely different person. It was all it was all the same jokes, but it was like. They made sense now, and you remembered the punchlines and the setups. And man, I'll tell you what: knowing your own premises and punchlines—that's that's a big part of comedy. Incremental. I um, <laughs> I'm not going to read a single book about comedy. I don't give a fuck about it like that. I don't want to read anything a white man has ever said <laughs> about their time on stage. I'm wearing shorts. I wear shorts so short that you can't tell if it's Levi's or labia. I don't care. I will, and I'll sell out bigger places than you, you tiny pencil dicks. Maybe. But Maybe it's labia. <laughs> she wears shorts so short she needs two hairdos to wear them. He says the shit. But yeah, with that said, that's part, that's part of it. It's part of it. But I, I yeah, I, I mean, I, it's, it's easy to look back on all of it, but there's really no reflecting that even needs to be done at too hardcore a level. It's like sure. if I want to go and like rehash a year and a half of the, my beginnings of comedy in any way, shape, or form that's, like, 
negative that does nothing for the things that I need to like kind of move away from in the future. It's like, you know, when I, when you're drinking at that level, like I was for 15 years and you burn down basically every bridge you've ever had with anyone you've ever loved potentially twice, you know, it's just like, there's just a, uh, there's a, there's just a different, there's a different feeling in the air on the in the other side of that you know like when you were talking about how i kind of went away and then came back with a different focus it was Mm -hmm. just because like something in me clicked it was like it wasn't just like the day i got sober like i said instantly my comedy got better i did take a little time away because like i had not had any time in the past decade and a half where i hadn't had 20 drinks coursing through my system Mm -hmm. so i was like you know i was very shaken up even getting towards sobriety because i had all those things that you know you hear a lot of people talk about before they get sober which is like that question of their own creativity like okay if i get sober am i even going to be funny anymore do i have anything to talk about even though everything i was talking about obviously was gibberish and coming out of a wellspring of pain you know but But you seem like there was like a letting go like about two weeks, like you know, kind of like when Batman he goes and fight, fights Ra's al Ghul, right? Or I think I'm saying that wrong. Yeah, Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. yeah, he goes and fights him and gets the flower. You had to go up the mountain, get the flower, find the peace, and then come back for sure. And the day that I the day that I stopped drinking, which was August the fifth, the 2018. I did not on that day say to myself or anyone, I am never going to have another drink, but. Within the next four to six weeks, I had told my sister that I would most likely and happily never drink again. So even though it's like it, even though that's not a very big window of time, enough in me shifted in that first four to six of just being like, wow, I had never taken that amount of time off in drinking for that whole time. Mm. I maybe took a month off several times in that 15 year streak i would just like be in a happier relationship or a better relationship or frame of mind with my own self yeah and so i'd be like running 5ks or you know i'm athletic and i do all those things that i do now Mm -hmm. and i had all that person in me back then it was just under so much booze so like habits could only stick for so long when the when the biggest habit in your life is getting all the time you know an energy the drinking was it's like even with comedy like you saw me do work all the way up into a point but at some point i was always going to get drunk yeah it was the one thing i could not stop or i had an unwillingness to like get in the way of or hinder you know i get what and going back to what i was saying earlier i feel like that's what that's the thing that I feel like a lot of people like. It sound like I was like I was there from day one. I hear you. I, I was just like giving I was, you, you know, shit. You're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're literally my but, A1A. You know that. I mean, you what, know these. What jokes. I was trying to say is I was there. Like I saw there was work going on. I know. Like looking back, it's just like oh, I was drunk and blah blah. But it was just like you didn't wake up every single morning and get drunk. Like there was times where you both of us were sober. And we'd go and have coffee and, like, write for three hours. Like you said, the drunkening always happened. Right. But, like, I think what a lot of people missed out on and that, that I was privy to was I did get to see you put the work in. And I did get to hear the sober versions of these jokes. And I was just like, man, this is, like, a very smart, you know, pussy joke. Or <laughs> whatever it is. This is, like... Highbrow <laughs> labia. Yeah. Yeah, like, like, like... This, like it's like shit posting. You have to know 
you know, the dirty words, but you also have to understand what uh, Jackson Pollock painting that's is. You know? Honestly, something now that I can reflect on and here today on the five-year mark, looking back, is just like all of that kind of stuff, though, even in the drinking and just like wanting to like look back and diminish it, it all set me up for where I currently am and everything that we have the ability to do from everything. Like my first year and a half of comedy. Yeah. It was like not a great reflection of exactly where my heart and brain and capabilities were. However, it was still very authentically me. It still continued to draw. If even it's like, even when I barely remember the sets I had early on, I know that every one of our hotel tango shows in those early years were packed out. We'd have like nine to a hundred fucking people. That's just something to be said for energy and effort. So it's like, I don't think this has ever been anything less than a labor of love, but you know what I mean? I was hard to love. And that's like, if I'm me talking about burning down double bridges with everyone that I value, it's like, this was a, this was an intense exchange all the way around. It just happened to come with a mic in my hand, you know, but I think that the intersection and this kind of kickflip that I've done, I've just been thankful to have a, a nice, you know, like, like I said, a, a different a viewpoint with which that people can, like yourself, whether they're a fan of me or not, look at the thing from <laughs> year, you know, ground zero to year five and be like, well... That bitch fucking did it. You know, she's still doing it. And at this point, I'm, I am the best I've been on stage ever. And I'm think just saying that so I feel better for Thursday, but I am. I mean, this is point blank. I just we went to the office every day and we're here. I just stopped drinking at the office every day <laughs> and stopped fucking dudes at the office. I'm kidding. I was really never. You, uh, <laughs> You were uh, just on the digital cover of Pattern Magazine, which is a... Explain explain Pattern Magazine. Pattern is like an Indianapolis um, lifestyle magazine, but mostly with a fashion-forward focus. You know, pop culture, different things like that. Kind of the makers and the doers. Uh, but it's shot in a very like <laughs> two things you used to like to drink. <laughs> yeah, makers and doers, doers. That's a scotch. D e w a r s. But I was saying doers, like a d o. I we get it. I don't. I'm just explaining this for the <laughs> ding dongs that listen to me because they see me and they're like, we love that fucking bitch. <laughs> makers and doers. Now, um, two things I was surprised about in that article is one, you actually talked a lot about red flag in the the part that I saw my name written in print and I was like, oh no, <laughs> what's she saying? But it was all very nice. And uh, you were you were talking about the uh, the beginning of, of Red Flag and the kind of why we created it. And one of the things that I always thought was smart and I always say to people from the beginning is even though we were both kind of in a weird mental uh, headspace when we started that, we both were in our 30s and we both had event background, which a lot of people that are, you know, 25 starting comedy don't have. And like the one thing that we knew how to do was put on a show, you know, because like we can, especially in a bar. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah, we, well, we know how to do this. And that was big news of the time. People don't realize how big Red Flag was. It came at a time where we really needed that extra mic because the one that we were doing where we were all hanging out with <coughs> Wednesday. What place was it? Broken Beaker. <laughs> broken Beaker was broken down. Broken beaker broken down. Yeah. <laughs> that that beaker finally broke. That beaker broke. And then you guys had red flag. Go ahead. Uh, 
but no, I just yeah, I just thought that was uh uh yeah, that was very very true, uh, but also just like how lucky were we at the beginning to like so, I mean three 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 goofs that had no business starting anything. And then um, you know, I feel like it was like a, a field of dreams type situation. If we build it, they will come. Yeah, I have that written in one of my early notepads. It was about my <laughs> pussy, but I mean same shit. It was a nice pubic hair joke. Who cares? Uh, whatever. Play ball. Just kidding. Most people today are pedophiles, so better go get a Brazilian Whoa. so you can get some dinner, Brenda. <laughs> what? That's a just sharp turn. I hope it does. I'm Ooh. always trying to get into pedophilia. It's like one moment we're talking about your vagina and being in there, <laughs> it being built, and then I was like, "Oh wait, we just took a turn, a corner." It was like one of those roller coaster rides that's in the dark. Do you remember that when you go <laughs> yeah. and you're like, wait, like, like it takes off. You're, like, you're waving bye to your dad and your mom. You're smiling. All of a sudden, like, there's a drop at the very beginning. Like, oh shit, I didn't think it was gonna go this hard. Uh, I could get, I could lose my head in this roller coaster. Anyways, that I feel like that just explained sometimes hanging out with you. It one hundred percent is. No, one time Thad said recently to me, I think in the past couple of weeks, he was like, "Sometimes words just come out of your mouth in a way that I know I'll never hear anyone say anything like that like that again." And I, this like, happened I, at least five times during this podcast. <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of like one of those like fireworks or like like one of those paint <laughs> explosions. Like you 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 got a white canvas. And like you just you just hit the tube and the paint hits like it's never going to be recreated. That words don't usually go together in that way sometimes, but it makes sense. Like I've learned, you know, I was like, oh, like this is this is this is dope. Like and like we're never going to hear anybody say it. Obama's not going to get up on the mic and <laughs> spit that. He's not going to talk about a Jackson Pollock I mean, vagina. Then <laughs> everyone's pedophiles, but. If he did, what would it sound like? I mean, I'm the greatest loser of the whole situation. It's like everything that's like my greatest gift is the thing that'll cut my head off one day, too. You know, it's like I things sound like me. Hey, like even during my drinking days when people the next day would be like, hey, and we're going to tell you something about what you said or did last night. And when they said it back, I would know right away if I said it or did it because it would sound yeah. Just about like something I would say, which yeah. is to that say was on my that mind. what in the actual fuck was that? But like you said, it always is. But you get it, you know, because yeah, I, I am unpacking from an actually like classically trained, intelligent brain. And now, honestly, in sobriety, I'm reading more than ever. I'm the sharpest I've ever been. I just allow it to also, you know, coexist. Yeah, I think it's a lot like if I could translate with a wild child. It's like it's a lot like cooking. All right, salt by itself doesn't necessarily taste great. <laughs> um, paprika, <laughs> as well, it's not something you put in your mouth by itself. Yeah, right. Egg, egg, eggs taste good by itself, but like, <laughs> but they're an ingredient, right? Yeah, you put it all in your mouth. You you, you swish it around like some scope. You spit it out. Oh, man, I was trying to do what you do. <laughs> do you wash your teeth with eggs? I'm very confused. The funny thing is, as Thad was going down into whatever that was, <laughs> as he was going and descending into no! the, the coal shaft, I found myself thinking, is this what I sound like to everyone? And then I, and then I answered my, my own ego said, 
No, bitch. And then I thought, I I think he is mocking us, though. So I went through all the emotions, but I think what you're trying to say, Thad. I wasn't trying to mock you, but I was saying, look, check this out. It's like you, ingredients. You, it's like you're baking a cake. Like, with like all these things. You egghead-ass bitch <laughs> well, with your fucking dusty-ass fucking presence. The, the thing is, Hannah, you would have said that and then ten other crazy things, and I would still be stuck on, wait, did you just say egg and paprika and salt? Like uh, uh, I can't even get to the other four things. All right, start your analogy over again. That I'm it's, sorry. It's the, we're it's, on board. Sometimes it is like cooking because like, because some no no check this out. Yeah. Sometimes like you will you, say some. You're stuff, gonna land this plane. I have faith in you. You you will say some stuff that like you're grabbing from here and over here and left like like a book that you read and then you put it all together in one in one emotion and then it's like oh that's what you're saying and you're pulling from all these different areas sometimes and that's what it is like one time griffin was talking about like did you just like what freestyle what did you do you're like sometimes it was uh when you get on the mic sometimes people would free flow right mm -hmm. and just pick but like it's unconscious what's the unconscious flow stream of consciousness. yeah you just did a stream of conscious yeah. flow sometimes and i do and that that's what you do. and i've started to do it on stage too which is made just transparently this album recording slightly nightmarish for me as far as my actual wood grain as a human because like classically like we said i have an english major i mm. like you were saying even in my couldn't keep my eyes open drinking days i still have a joke book that if we look back on it is a lot of the jokes i'm doing right now just way better yeah but they were already there five years ago mm. i think i think your style is i think i think most people would go okay I have an hour. I'm going to go and I'm going to tell A, B, C, D, E, F joke. You have all those jokes, but I feel like under your best circumstances, I feel like even up to the album recording, you're going to go up there and you're going to start with an F joke and then you're going to do the B joke and the Z joke and then the, you know, so on and so forth. And it's just like whatever feels comfortable in that moment, in that room. And sometimes comfortable. For those people. Right. And sometimes comfortable might be saying, I'm going to spit in between the gap of your teeth. <laughs> Man, to, I did say to, that to in a, a shipping man. crate. I didn't know that. I didn't know that because I wasn't really looking at anyone but him. And I wasn't even looking at him. I was so high, I was looking at the gap in his teeth. But that was my favorite moment. <laughs> I mean, wow. In five years, I one time told a, a married man in the front row of a show that Thad and I were together in a sweaty box it was so, it was so in Detroit, Michigan, <laughs> that I... His gap made me want to spit between it. So yeah, so that was the same. You were you started twerking on some ladies in the front row. I believe it was. Dude, a, I totally blacked a, that a show out. A lesbian couple. Hand to God, I that blacked that show out. There's no twerking. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. kind of. I was like, you not twerking because I don't have that kind of an ass. She and didn't it twerk. Move she got down on her. She got down on her knees and was like. Was like thrust riding on the. I swear on, to God, uh, I don't. I blocked this out. I sometimes you just have to. I thought she was going to start a thruple right there in the, in the shipping container. You don't remember she, that? I think she did. And then she walked no, outside. No, I don't remember that part. The crazy. I. I mean, I've I've done a lot of shows with Hannah. That <laughs> I. It was the craziest that we went outside. Yeah. And there was, I feel, no less than thirty people, like in a circle around her, and I felt like she was like. Doing some sort of sermon, like after, like the people were like yeah. touching her robes to see actually, if they could get healed. Actually, I'll be honest, that was the honestly that trip kind of like changed my whole 
perspective on Hannah. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I was always cool with Hannah. When was this? How long ago was this? This past summer. Honestly, I know. Okay, I was just trying to for the listeners. I was always cool with Hannah, and I, I've talked about this on a podcast before. Like, and like, I, I went up on stage, and I like, I had like a really good one of my top ten sets. Hannah comes in, and I honestly cocky enough. I was like, oh, I hope I didn't bury her. Like, that's like my mind. And she took the energy and like switched the whole room. And then so we we had to do three different shows with her. And every show, show, there's just a flock of people. Like, you're not hiring these people. Did you get these people on Instagram and say, hey, just like, you know how you can hire fake mourners for uh, funerals? It was like the opposite, but like for comedy shows, they were like like Hannah, 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 like like reaching out their hands like they wanted to get healed, and I was like, oh, she's definitely gonna be a cult leader, and I promise she will be. But it'll be a good cult though. There's people getting autographs, hey, phone numbers possibly. I don't remember, pictures. Dude. I have. There's, there's like a whole busload of people. Well, she said that that's the only way that she's gonna stop a, a stalker is to was it? cult leaders. A good, a, good st- a good stalker. This is gonna, the only thing that can stop yeah, a yeah. bad stalker is a good stalker. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> thanks for leaving me hanging on that one. No, no, no. The whole time they've all been just talking about, I'm just smiling. I mean, it's like all the jokes they're making, they're my reality. So, I mean, no big deal. It's like, hee hee, ha ha. Hannah had a dream one time that her good stalker killed a bad stalker. <laughs> but, you know, that's uh sounds about like something that could happen next week based on my DMs. <laughs> you know, so Uh-oh. they're just laughing through my potential pain. Uh, uh, right now, somebody's heard this entire podcast and is about to create a Stan account and stop start like plastering the walls of their trailer with pictures of me and stills from the internet. Real quick before we go, I did want to ask you in that Pattern magazine, there was a photo of you dressed as a cheerleader with a giant A. Was that A for Asian or asshole? Adulteress. Adul- <laughs> oh, was that the Scarlet Letter? Is that what that was? Yeah, actually, it was somebody's dead gam gam uh, <laughs> passed, and uh, that, that and then I got to thrift that letter sweater, which I was wearing in that uh, photo shoot. So oh. it was probably like the A stood for like some woman's name that you could have back in the nineteen twenties. Yeah, Agnes Agatha. Yeah, Abby. Abigail. It wasn't even Abby back then. Abby's too sexy. That'll get you a backhand, dude. You know, faster than getting the rocks in the Manhattan wrong. I uh, drop a beat on that note. Osama Bin Laden. Hannah Rushline, thank you so much for being on the program. Where can people find you and follow you on social media? Man, if you still want to, at Hander Pump Rules. that's uh that's kind of across the board. You can see everything with that from like when I release my album to my anus. That kind of just whatever you whatever apps you think I am, I potentially am. Just type that in, check it out, see where it takes you. And where can people get tickets to this show this Thursday? Um <laughs> just on my through my social medias at Handerpump Rules. I have a link tree. Okay. That is Jake. You can find me on Twitter and um the Instagram thing. Twitter. Zach Brown. If you like this, consider checking out our Patreon. Yeah, I was going to say OnlyFans. That's all I can <laughs> <laughs> Please, it's not our OnlyFans. That I'm is yours alone. Well. That is yours alone. <laughs> Backslash uh, Harder Brunch, $3 a month, and you get all of our extra episodes. 
Uh, follow me on all social media at Dyke Michaels. Check out our sister podcast, uh, The Drunk Dial. It's uh, Thad and I talking to uh, comics on the road. Uh, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.